Masterclass. Our masterclass for today, we are talking about survivor's remorse. We're joined by registered clinical psychologist, Nozi Mwango. Welcome to the studio. Welcome to the show and Happy New Year. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Um, and Happy New Year to everyone. At home. So let's get started with what survivor's remorse is. Okay, so survivor's remorse is a psychological condition that occurs when um, someone believes that they've done something wrong by surviving a traumatic um, event. Mm. Uh, Basically, it's a misplaced feeling that uh, you should have done something, um, you know, uh, about the situation to prevent it. Is it the same as survivor's guilt? It is, yes, definitely. Um, so those that know it as um, survivor's guilt, we are talking about the same thing because um, I actually never thought of it the way that you are explaining, which is feeling like you should have done something or taking responsibility where you didn't need to take responsibility. I always understood survivor's um, remorse or survivor's guilt as being the one who got saved in a situation, maybe like you were in a car accident, everybody died but yourself, and feeling like um, maybe you're not deserving or it shouldn't, it shouldn't have been, why me? Why am I the one who survived? Or the, the, the other one being things like if, if we were all growing up in the t- rurals together, we all got the same education and then I'm the one who got the bursary, went to varsity. I have this great job. And when I go to visit Gomahaeng, I left people behind. And that's exactly it. Um, So instead of you um, feeling, you know, gratitude or relief um, or happiness that you are being successful or that you survive, you sit with these emotions that, you know what, I made it, but other people didn't. I survived and other people died. And then what happens is you start asking yourself questions. Why is it that I'm the one that survived? You know, what is it that is special about me? But unfortunately, um, these um, questions, because it's a lot of questions that you don't have answers to, they tend to escalate. You know, they start as questions and then they start becoming um, statements. They start becoming fixed beliefs. And oftentimes these beliefs are negative beliefs. You know, mm. you start thinking, um, I should have done something about it. Mm. And what are you doing now? Now you are blaming yourself. And then you're going to sit with this, with this, you know, self-blaming um, behaviors. And it, it just, again, it escalates um, into you now start experiencing um, significant psychological difficulties and what those look like they look like sometimes they look like depression and they look like anxiety so you're just sinking deeper and deeper into this hole Mm. a dark hole can survivors remorse also look like wishing you had been the one that died in that car accident where you actually wish it was you and then it goes so far as you know, I've heard of individuals who will stop celebrating things like and, 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 and maybe it's almost like when a parent, for example, loses a child and now they don't even want to celebrate their own birthdays anymore because how can I be celebrating when this person has died? Or 
they're missing. So what you're touching on now um, is, uh, it's, it's, it's what I was going to talk about when you talk about triggers. Mm. Okay. Because what happens is there's going to be events that happen and this sort of trigger this, you know, this, this memory, this traumatic memory, you are right, you know, things like birthdays, um, they should have been here. Now um, they're not around for me to celebrate this birthday with mm-hmm. positive events that are happening to you. But also there is a whole lot of other um, triggers that happen. But you, yeah, definitely you find that people instead of, you know, being in the moment and, and you know, and, and being happy and, and, and embracing the success that they are um, experiencing, they find themselves just being stuck in the past. Mm-hmm. And again, for me, what, what that that does what that says is you you can see that there are elements of depression there because um, someone defined depression very beautifully and they say you know depression is living in the past Mm. whereas anxiety is living in the future yes so you are not present so you are just stuck um, in things that should have been in things that could have happened Mm. Mm -hmm. and I think it's it's very difficult and I know we're using some extreme Uh, cases of survivor's remorse but I recall during COVID um, where many people found themselves in a household of people who are positive and they were not now I I had never tested positive um, even though I thought I was exposed multiple times and then I was in a household filled with positive people and I was not positive Mm. And it did not make sense to me. Now, I'm not saying that was necessarily a survivor's remorse, but I'm wondering, does that fall within the scope, even you beginning to ask yourself, why not me? Definitely. Those are exactly the questions. Why not me? Why did it not happen to me? What is special about me? You know, um, and, and, and it's some people, it's, I think we, you've touched on this um, earlier when you said you leave your your maybe your village and mm. you go into the city and you you make it and you are so successful. Mm. But then a part of you, you know, whenever you go back home, you look at your friends and they are maybe using drugs. They are they don't have jobs, and then just that you know that feeling that you sit with, like why me? Why did I have to be successful? And then it becomes difficult for you to, you know, to, to talk to your friends about your achievements and all the things that you've, you've done well for yourself. Is it even a possibility, let's say, in the workplace where you and your colleagues who are at the same level, same open plan office, you're drinking coffee together and then you get a promotion and you feel like you've left people behind so now you know much as you say we're going to have coffee together again now suddenly you have meetings you have this you have this and now there's that thing where you think are they talking about me are they does that also fall into that (laughs) (laughs) that's actually very interesting because um you know when you talk about that what immediately comes to my mind is how um, again, this is somebody who is now gotten a promotion, right? And then their friends are left behind. And mm. then what happens is they start projecting some of the emotions and some of the feelings towards them. And like, they're probably going to think now, I think I'm better than them. Or, you know, and now that I'm I, I'm a boss or something, I, they can't relate to me. Mm. And then when you start thinking that way, projecting those feelings on, onto them, 
then you start seeing that because that's exactly what you're looking for. Mm. You know, then you start, you know, they're acting differently. Uh, they are excluding me in things. And because, you know, even when they do invite you, uh, maybe something is happening. I'm sorry, I have a meeting. You know, and they're like, it mm, where Nana, this idea. Mm, boss lady, <laughs> sister boss. Yeah. Okay, okay. And I see messages already starting um, uh, to come through on the WhatsApp line on 0727021702 with one sharing. We had massive retrenchment recently in our company and members of my team were retrenched. I feel so guilty. I even avoided them for their notice period. And it is a dark hole. Like, am I worthy to remain behind? Am I working hard enough to earn my keep? Do they blame me, etc.? Mm. Oh, I'm so sorry that, um, you know, they're going through that because I can imagine how difficult it is. Um, but this is, um, you know, these are exactly the, the questions that we're talking about. When you start asking yourself these questions that you don't have answers to, you know, and you can see even in the way that the, these um, questions are framed is that it's, it's you know it's almost like they, they're blaming themselves. Mm. Like I, you know, am I, am I worthy to keep the job whilst my colleagues didn't? Mm. You know, and I think the most important thing right now is for you to start talking to you know talk to someone you know seek help because you don't want these things to escalate because when it escalates it just becomes worse. Mm. And uh, I'm I'm wondering if, um, you know, for for the, the the WhatsApp message that has come through, um, as a person who feels like other people got retrenched, and I feel guilty, I feel bad. That if let's say this person now shares it with a friend, there's that room to be invalidated because we like to say how at least you you kept your job. Be grateful that blah, blah, blah. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, so when it comes to offering support to someone who is going through something like this, right? Mm. We need to keep in mind that it's really important to validate the emotional experience. Mm. It is very important for us to just sit there and listen. You know, sometimes when you hear someone, you know, complaining or going through something, you hear them and then immediately you want to fix things. Mm. You you want to come up with solutions. You want to rescue them. But sometimes, and most of the cases, actually, people don't really need that. People mm. want someone that's going to sit with them in the mud. It's mm. fine. Let it be messy. It's okay. But I just want to know that you are listening and that you're hearing me mm. and that you're not going to come with some um, toxic positivity and tell me that I need to be grateful because I'm alive, you know, mm. because I'm not hearing you most likely in that moment. I'm so deep in what I'm going through that it's hard for me to to hear logic. Because that's another thing that also we need to, to understand. When people are going through something like this is a mental illness, this mm. is a mental condition. And with this kind of mental um, condition, logic becomes impaired. Mm. You know, so if you're trying to speak to someone, there is no rationality. They don't understand what you're saying. Mm. They just want you to hold them. They just want you to hold space for them. They want empathy. They want kindness and they want understanding. Can survivor's guilt drive a person to do things they shouldn't be doing? So let's say, for example, 
the person who sent the message about retrench, you know, being the one who survived retrenchments. Now you know your these people are not working where they maybe try overcompensate and now you're giving people money, you're this because you feel bad and maybe you shouldn't be doing that because your partner or your spouse at home is like, Ewena, that's our money. Mm-hmm. Do, 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 do you find that some individuals start doing too much, overextending, overcompensating because of how bad they feel? Yes, definitely. You find that people can even act out of character at times Mm. because people are not themselves. Mm. They're just trying to cope or they're trying to escape. Mm. And there's a lot of things that we do in order to try to escape the reality that we are in. And the things that we do oftentimes, they are maladaptive. Mm, Please explain. (laughs) Maladaptive, what that means. Basically, what we mean is It's like when you talk about maladaptive coping mechanisms, coping mechanisms that are not healthy. Mm. You know, they look like... So they're like counterproductive. Absolutely. Yes. So other people are going to self-medicate with alcohol, you know, Mm. drugs. Other people are going to engage in risky behaviors, um, promiscuity sometimes, things like that. You're Mm. just trying to escape your reality. I just had a thought as you were speaking that could a person even go as far as self-sabotaging oh, yeah. to, f- you know, now you, you, you start to do things like, you know, using that WhatsApp message as an example, mm-hmm. where now you're trying to get yourself fired because you feel like I, I shouldn't even be here. Let me also just be a part of the group. Oh, yes. Oh, you are touching on something that I also wanted to talk about um, when we talk about people that are more at risk when it comes to, you know, um, the, 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 this type of condition. And when you think about, for example, somebody who's already lacking in self-esteem, mm. you know, they already think very less of themselves. And then now they find themselves in a situation where everyone else has been fired, but they're here. What does that say? Mm. I shouldn't be here. I don't deserve this. So now, unconsciously, I'm going to engage in behaviors that are going to reinforce the idea that I do not deserve to be here. Mm. Mm. And I think um, uh, Clement Mangatella touched on the conversation around self-sabotage. I think it was on on Monday. And it's it's just really fascinating looking at the things that drive that because I wanted to get the understanding of who are the people that become susceptible because I'm going to be very extreme. You get the individual who is confident slash has a big ego slash maybe even arrogant to the point where they feel they deserve the things that in real life you shouldn't be having those things, right? And the opposite end of the spectrum are the individuals who carry guilt for everything that you're, how can I be eating meat while people are losing their jobs and dying during COVID, I'm just going to not eat meat in mm-hmm. solidarity. Mm-hmm. Or, I, oh, it's my birthday, but my, you know, the family suffer. Let me just not do anything. Where it's like really opposite ends of the spectrum. Who are the people that become truly, as you said, at risk? Who are the ones that are vulnerable enough that when something happens in life, be it 
small or ex- very extreme, like where death is involved, that they are susceptible to survivor's remorse? So, first off, you've got people that have a history of childhood trauma. Mm. Um, you know, the more adversity you um, you had in childhood, the greater the risk, mm. you know, that you are going to have mental illnesses. Okay. Mm. And then, obviously, people that have a history of mental illness. And, you know, I, I, I just want to expand a little bit on this because sometimes, um, especially in private practice, I'm trying to take history. Is there a history of mental illness mm. in the family? And someone says, no, there isn't. But they, they don't, don't know. know. And then mm. you say, oh, did somebody um, ever commit suicide? Oh, yeah, no, uh, my dad committed suicide. Mm. But nobody knew that they were struggling with a mental illness. Mm. So you see, there are people that are at risk, but they don't know that. Okay, so, um, and then other people, like I mentioned before, people with self, um, um, low self-esteem are at risk. People who lack social support, you don't have friends, you don't have family that you can talk to whenever you're going through something. That's, that's, a, that's a risk. People who lack professional support, because if you start experiencing symptoms and then you go and see someone immediately, a therapist or whoever, mm. you know, they're going to challenge those thoughts and that's going to, you know, they're going to help you with that and it doesn't have to, you know, escalate. Mm. And then obviously people that are abusing alcohol and substances. Mm. Mm. So um, I had a conversation, an interview with a young lady who was in a car accident with multiple people and she woke up in the hospital and everybody was gone, including people she wasn't aware were in the vehicle because she was asleep when they got in. Now the suspicion is that the reason she survived is because she was sleeping and her body was not tensed up in fear it was completely relaxed and took a while for her to fully recover but i um in her very in her most dark moments especially now you have the families wanting to know what happened and not you don't remember Mm. all of these things she was wishing that she had died in 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 that accident and fast forward she's doing much better um but I, I, I completely feel for her because in a picture where people have lost children, mm. how do you place the sympathy to the one who survived when others died? And this is something I want to pick up on when we come back from the news. And another scenario was a woman explaining online her son and his best friend were in an accident, but the accident was that... They were drinking and decided to be doing donuts. So her son was sitting in the driver's seat and the best friend was sitting on the window edge. So it's they were doing donuts while drinking and young in an open field in a big Jeep. And at some point it toppled over and pinned the best friend. So what happened? The best friend died. Now, it's an accident, even, even though this young man took responsibility, um, he served his time in prison. But this woman is sharing how, because there's a mother who lost a child, um, it's hard for people to feel sympathy of the mother of the child who, yes, he's taking responsibility, but he didn't go out of his way. And mind you, this best friend um, who was the one driving the vehicle, 
was the one doing chest compressions on the sh- on the scene trying to save his life and realizing and i i really want to explore in a scenario where it is that extreme and the friend wished he had been the one that had died he wished he was the one that was sitting on the windowsill i really want to challenge how we distribute empathy in scenarios where it's easier to say, well, at least your son's still alive. Or, well, at least you still have your job. 702. Masterclass. In our masterclass for today, we are talking about survivors' remorse. We take your calls on 011-883-0702 and the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. Before we went to the news, um, registered clinical psychologist Nozi Mwango and I were having a discussion and I was posing the question around those that are outside of the survivor's guilt scenario and and um, having empathy. How do we distribute empathy if a person had all their team members retrenched, they were safe and kept by the company, they're carrying this remorse, but they're continuously told, at least you got the job or the one who survived in a car accident when everybody else died and they feel bad or the scenario where two moms have two children where the one died and the other one survived and um, the mom of the child who is alive also feels bad. I'm wondering, Nozi, maybe to say distributing the empathy is the incorrect way to say it, but how... Do we look at those scenarios differently to what we typically do as society, which is when you complain about your at least you have a job. At least, you know, that downplaying, that invalidating of the fact that two things can be true at the same time. You can be relieved that your son survived that accident, but you can also feel bad that your son is going through a horrible time and you can feel bad you know, for, for multiple things all at the same time, they can all be true at the same time. Mm, absolutely. Um, you know, just uh, when you were talking about um, that, those, those stories and I was just reflecting mm-hmm. um, on that, honestly, I'm just, I'm glad that I'm only a psychologist yeah. um, and I, I'm not, I don't have to judge and, you know, and be in the court and have to be involved in those processes in terms of, you know, somebody has gone through a difficult time and you still have to judge them. You know, they were part of something, you know, that ended up where, you know, a, a life was lost, basically. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, um, for me, we need to understand and acknowledge that everyone involved in this situation has gone through a trauma mm. and they deserve empathy and they deserve understanding mm. and that's and that's what we can offer them and uh they these people have gone through hell you know um so it's it's really it's it's a tough one um you know being in in those situations but so um just Let's, let's just be empathetic as human beings. I'm even thinking about the parents where, um, let's say you're the parent of the child who killed another child or who killed other children. Um, it's such a challenging one. And I remember once asking myself, would you rather be the parent of the one who loses the child or the parent of the child who's responsible? for the loss of someone else. And I mean, you can't compare. 
and no one wants to be in those positions. But even there, as a parent, having secondary survivor's guilt. And when you look at that, it, it, for me, that's a lose-lose situation. Everyone is losing there, you know. Um, there's things that have changed, that, that have happened to the person that survived. The things that they've lost that they're never mm. going to get. Mm. You know, and even for the parent of that, of that child who has done something wrong, things are never going to be the same for them. Mm. So it's a lose-lose situation. Yeah. We've got uh, some questions coming through on the WhatsApp line. One says, afternoon, Tami from Alberton. I go through that after I survived the Limpopo River when 82 of my homeboys and girls swept away and I got across alive in 2010. Yo, that is absolutely heavy. I'm so, so sorry. 82, yo, that is very, very heavy. I'm thinking now about... Is I don't know if in psychological terms there is something that specifically speaks of survivor's guilt of mass, mass individuals, for example, 9-11 or even now with COVID where many people died, where many businesses didn't survive, where many went into crazy debt. Is there a way that it gets differentiated or it's survivor's guilt is survivor's guilt? I think survivor's guilt is survivor's guilt. Mm. And um, especially because these experiences are highly individualized. Mm. So someone may go through the process with one person, but feel it so intensely. And then someone else will go through uh, the same situation as the, the, the listener where it's 82 people. But because maybe they have more resilience, maybe, mm. you know, their coping strategies or their coping skills are much more advanced. So I just think it, it, it is an individualized um, process. So it, it varies from person to person. We've got some of your voice notes coming through on 0727021702. And uh, you can get those questions, comments or experiences coming through. Uh, you're far more guilty in a car accident if you were the actual driver and you survived. Mm. The other one is it happened mostly summertime or in the water area, for example. Those, those pastors when they anoint people, they take them to the water and then the, the current sweeps somebody away from your hand. Those are the worst case scenarios. Thanks, Rene Bokili. If, if I was a passenger in a car, and then uh, it would be less severe than if I was the driver and, uh, and people died while I was driving mm. and got involved in an accident. And water is the same thing. The current is too strong and then somebody slips away from your hand. Thank you so much for that message. Um, can you help us, Nozi? I mean, I know from the outside, it's easy to say it's worse to be, you know, as the voice notes said, the driver or worse to be this. Um, but in real life, how would you measure what is worse? You hmm. absolutely can't. And it, it, it really 
it really depends on how you are experiencing this situation. You can't mm. decide which one is, is, is worse and which one is not. But uh, listening to the, 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 the listener here, I, I can just imagine, you know, the trauma. And the thing about the trauma is it just leaves these gaps in our brains and we want to fill these gaps with something. And maybe for the, for the person to feel better about themselves, they say it was better if mm-hmm. it was this or that. And uh, you know what I, I call that syndrome? At least. Right. We, we love that at least. Right. And I know it comes from a place of wanting to console mm. a person. Mm. But maybe that actually makes them feel worse. Or like a person says, at least you weren't the driver or at least you still have a job. Now you feel guilt for feeling guilty. For me, I feel like you are aware that you've lost a sense of control Mm. and you're just trying to gain it from anywhere. Mm. And maybe saying at least gives you that sense of control. Mm, mm, mm. Um, we've got more voice notes. Oh seven two seven oh two and seven oh two. Hi, uh, Sister Lebochil. Hey, this topic is uh, it's reminding me of um, when I was in high school, in grade eleven. I was part of a group of friends. There was just three of us, so two friends for me. And uh, essentially, two of us failed the year. Okay, in the group, and the one that passed felt so bad that he he didn't want to pass he, uh, oh. we, we congratulated him we said look we screwed up congrats to you dude we'll see you at the end of it and uh, obviously we were still in the same school we were fortunately allowed to stay in the same school so we finished our grade 11 passed quite well actually um, and then at the end of his metric which was our repeat grade 11 he basically was serious when he said he's going to finish matric with us and he what? actually failed now unfortunately for him because the story kind of adds badly for him he didn't get accepted back into the school they don't take matriculants to fail so I, I know survivor's remorse can be bad people do funny things when things like that happen to them you know like dude you passed you're good we're good we'll see you at the end of it but i guess it's a real thing now i understand there's that self-sabotage that is so sad Yo, definitely. So you're feeling you don't deserve this. You are not good enough. So what do I do then? Let me just do something to prove that I actually don't. Yo, yeah, that one. I I I, I absolutely feel that because now to add on top of that, you're being separated from the same group again, and I would have loved to find out. Um, from that person who sent the voice note where where their relationship is now and if their relationship survived because it's very easy. Let's use now the scenario of I got out of the rurals. I now have a job in the burbs. I'm now earning middle-class income and all my friends I grew up with are still just surviving where now it you you don't relate to one another anymore and it looks like or like Hile, you mm. threw us away, mm. you are better. Mm. You know, sometimes I, I feel like there is a, a huge element of maybe how we socialized that comes into that. Mm. You know, we are socialized to always worry about other people. 
to worry about their feelings and taking care of other people, especially for women. We don't even know how to take care of ourselves. And when we do take care of ourselves, then we feel guilty. Mm. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm connecting these two because, I mean, if you feel like I should not get good things before other people, then when thing, good things happen to you, then you're not going to feel good about it. Mm. Mm. Oh, I was even wondering about the scenario where, let's say, when the firstborn is going to university, finances are okay. Second born now doesn't, the parents are not in the same situation. Now older sibling wants to take responsibility of younger sibling that it carries on far into their adulthood. They've coddled them. They've enabled bad behavior all because they feel when people are saying, cut this person off. They are becoming a leech. They're toxic. They're not getting their life together. And you're like, yeah, but I had the parents that could pay all. One parent died, so I have to. I have to. And I'm, I realize survivor's remorse can just continue for years and years and years and years. Yeah. And then we have now to talk about a very important topic, which is boundaries. Mm. Because we need to have boundaries and that's a really difficult thing uh, that people struggle with. We can't take care of other people when we are not taken good care of. Mm. We need to learn how to take care of us first and be fulfilled and, you know, and have our needs met. Mm. Uh, the example that I like making is if you don't know how to meet your own needs, how are you going to meet other people's needs? How do you know what feels good? How do you know what is pleasurable? Because you have to practice that on you first. Also, just the you can't pour from an empty cup. Absolutely. Scenario. Absolutely. Oh, more messages are coming through. One from Heidi says, I divorced my whole family because they resented me for being the surviving sibling. How was my brother's death my fault? And now I know they valued him more than they did me. Uh, the things that sometimes people have to go through, you know, it's a lot of pain out there. There's a lot of pain. Um, another one, and I'm not sure if this qualifies as survivor's guilt, but I think they are relating to what you were saying about, you know, taking care of yourself first. Um, one on WhatsApp says, as a single mom, I can't do anything for myself without feeling guilty that I could have used that money for my kids. I don't know how many times I, I encounter, you know, this very um, scenario. People are saying that um, I have to look after everyone else. Mm. And I, I like making this this example. I'm sure you, we've all heard about this way. When you get into an airplane and they say, you know, in case of loss of um, oxygen, you need to put the mask on yourself mm. first. Because if you are not there, then you are not going to be able to take care of these people that you say you love. So you have to take care of you. Your children also need to see you taking care of you. Mm. You need to model that to them, you know. So that they know how to do it themselves. I love what you're saying. They have to see you taking care of you because I, I genuinely believe parenting is preparing this person to survive in a world without you. And if they don't know, if you don't know how to do it and you don't show them how to do it, they'll mm -hmm. never learn 
how to do it. Uh, we've got another voice note, 0727021702. Hello, hello to your guest. Um, this topic that you're talking about, guys, I just got into the car and I hear you guys talking about it, survivor's guilt. How do you help someone like with survivor's guilt? My mom passed uh, 2021 because of COVID. And the thing is, she and my sister got COVID at the same time. My mom passed, my sister survived. And constantly I see like, she always has that thing like, why did I leave and why did mom die? And as much as I try and comfort her, sometimes it's difficult. So I don't know if there's anything you guys can share that maybe I can try that will help her deal with it better. She also has like, not really depression, but she does have anxiety issues as well. Mm, thank you so much for that question, which is the perfect place for us to go to. How do you support a person dealing with survivor's guilt mm -hmm. so there's things that you can do as as you know as, as a family member which i think we touched on even earlier that including just being there for them you know just listening to them but i think at this point you need to um find professional help for your sister you know you need to um get them to be in therapy get them to be seen professionally. And you are also um, talking about a possibility of, you know, anxiety here. So this is something that needs to be attended to professionally. Yeah, and I think um, even for the individual who recognizes um, that they probably should be seeking help, but don't believe they deserve it and sort of get I don't know if the correct word is comfortable or overly familiar and settled in that space of feeling bad about feeling bad. Now it becomes something you're addicted to, this feeling bad thing. Mm. Um, the important thing also is that when we need to know when people are struggling, they lack insight into mm. their problem. So they're sitting there, they know something is not right, something doesn't feel good, but they don't know how to verbalize it. Mm. So what they do then is they're going to try and conceal it. You know, they're going to try and act and smile and act normal. And if you are a family member and you can see that this person is not doing well, mm. please do something about it. Talk to them, talk to, you know, get them the, the, the necessary help that they need. In terms of, you know, as we start to wrap up this conversation, what are the things that you'd like to share with all of us that we need to walk away from this conversation knowing? Okay, I think um, the important thing is just getting in touch with yourself if you feel that something doesn't feel good, you know, you have to do something about it. You need to be able to recognize the triggers. We spoke about the triggers. We, you need to be able to recognize if there are symptoms and not be afraid and not be ashamed, you know, to, to go to someone and, 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 and seek help. I know that sometimes, especially with um, 
certain communities, black communities, we don't really believe in seeking therapy. We say that, you know, black people need to go to church and not go to therapy. Mm. But also... Spiritual bypassing, don't do it. Yes, <laughs> and sometimes cultural factors, you know, come into play. Mm. We as Zulus do one, two, three, or we don't do one, two, three. Mm. You know, there's also things like that. But I just want you... If there's one thing that you can take away from this conversation, it's just have empathy and grace for yourself. Mm. You know, take care of yourself. If you don't know how to do that, then you need to ask. I, I, I make examples where I say, if you don't know where to start taking care of yourself, start with your senses. You know, at a visual level, what is it that is soothing for me? At a um, tactile level, um, you know, learn with your senses. And then as you get used to knowing yourself, you will know when things don't feel good Mm. and to speak up and do something. Mm. Mm. And I think ask where where you're not sure, ask for help. And sometimes the support comes in the most Mm. surprising of circumstances. Mm. And I'm sure there's a shame in sharing one's guilt, knowing that people might be like, how, but why? Mm. That doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, I really hope what we all take from this conversation is the sensitivities and the reality of what people are going through, even though they look like the ones who got it better Mm. or look like the ones who got the better end of the deal. Sometimes everybody lost in the scenario. Everybody had a a hard time. Nozi, for those that would like to come through and have a chat with you, uh, how can they get in touch on the socials or a website? So currently I am available on my business number, Mm -hmm. which is 0737-22211. And um, yeah, at this point, this is where you can find me most. What an easy number, 0737 It is a business line. And yes, she's running a private practice. So let's be mindful when asking for advice over WhatsApp. We're going to be booking sessions. Nozi, thank you so much for guiding us through this a very, very important conversation. Thank you.